This Dharma talk by John Sutherland, The Blown Hair Sword and the Coral Moon, was given at Saragorda Temple in Santa Fe, New Mexico, on January 24, 2008. Good evening, everyone. This month I've been talking about a series of three questions and answers called Walling, Haojin, and his three turning words. And um, over the last three weeks I've spoken about the first two, which are what is Zen, snow in a silver bowl, and what is the way the clear-sighted person falls into a well. And tonight I want to talk about the third question and answer pair, which is, what is the blown hair sword? And the blown hair sword means the sword so sharp that a single hair blown against it would be cut. What is the blown hair sword? Each branch of coral holds up the light of the moon. Each branch of coral holds up the light of the moon. So this very rich and uh, complicated series of koans comes down to this. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about this place where it lands in the end. So first, the question, what is the blown hair sword? And I think I want to say something about um, the imagery of swords after I'd been studying Zen for, uh, actually it didn't take very long, for a pretty short while, um, I came to feel that the, the imagery and the language of um, swords and sticks and I give you 30 blows and, you know, shouts and people's legs getting broken in gates and all that kind of stuff had been, um, how shall we say it, thoroughly explored <laughs> in the Zen tradition. And... Um, found myself longing for perhaps a kind of compensatory imagery, you know. It seemed to me that 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 was true, but it wasn't everything that was true about either the spiritual experience or life. Um, You know, what about the storehouse of treasures or the womb of the Tathagata? Um, What about this? uh, I remember feeling somehow so heartened as well as moved when I found out that my great-grandfather in the Dharma back in Japan, um, when he had a very strong opening experience, just collapsed to the floor and put his head in his teacher's lap and started to weep. And his teacher, who was known as a pretty ferocious guy, just stroked his head and said, I know, I know. And somehow I thought that was a tradition I could somehow belong to in a wholehearted way. So, given that, having spent a lot of time um, looking for images and language and um, ideas that rounded out the picture some, um, I find it interesting to now go back and pick up the sword and see what is there, see what is beautiful in that image as well. Um, yesterday, Janice, you asked the, the obvious great question about this blown hair sword. Isn't it cutting things into two? Isn't it, you know, the, a sort of little duality machine? Just, 
separating this from that and making discriminations and, and cutting the world into finer and finer um, di- distinctions and differences, then isn't that supposed to be what we're not doing? So because this is the realm of um, the, the metaphysical and the deep psyche, this sword was spoken of as the sword that cuts into one, which is a tremendous thing if you think about it, the sword that cuts into one, that brings all of that together, that brings all of those dualities and divisions into a one. Yeah, just... Nice, huh? I wouldn't mind being cut by that sword and brought into one. Another way it was uh, spoken about is as the sword that you can throw anything against, and it's not that it will cut it, but it will disappear. So when the sword presents itself to you, and I'll talk about that moment in a moment, when the sword presents itself to you, you can throw everything, all of your opinions, all of your judgments, all of your habits, all of your defenses at it, and they will just vanish, one after another after another, as it hits the sword. Also, it seems to me, a useful influence to have an armamentarium. So, what is this sword? Um, one way that it's understood is that everything and every moment contains the sword within it. Every moment has the possibility to be viewed by us that clearly. So it rises up and it fills our field of vision, that sword. It becomes the only thing in our field of vision, that vivid. And that it's possible for us to see things like that, to see things as they arise with that kind of vividness and particularity. It is my tremendous good fortune to be sitting on one of two cushions in a small room during a retreat and have people come in and tell me about experiences they've had of meeting that sword. And I have had crumpled and and rusted beer can laid reverently in my hands. Because that beer can met on a particular forest path on a particular day was the sword for that person. Someone else literally dragged me out of the room and stood me in front of a rock, which in that part of the Santa Fe landscape, I have to admit, looked much like all the other rocks. Because somehow that rock had come to fetch that person at that moment, just as the beer can had fetched them. Um, in my own experience, uh, I had a, an opening once while driving in a car, and um, this will date it. There was a radio ad for Dynasty. Do you remember that, that soap opera Dynasty? And on the radio, it said something, something like, if I can't have him, Jessica, nobody can. Blam, blam. <laughs> and the whole world fell. <laughs> so um, I have learned not to be snobbish about this at all. So that, that sword can be anywhere, in any moment, in anything, in any situation. And it's really, you know, our willingness, as we have spoken about, to be fetched, our willingness to see that it's there all the time. So, 
in, um, in one of the commentaries on these Balin's three turning words, it says, so, paraphrasing, you must go alone for a great distance, but then you must, before you are finished, meet another. And I think that the first two koans, uh, what is what is Zen, snow in a silver bowl, what is the way the clear-sighted person falls into a well, is that territory of going a great distance on our own. There's something we have to do on our own. There's something that no one else can do for us, even with us in some ways. We can accompany each other, but there's a something we must do on our own. And that that solitary, heroic search is not the end. The commentary says, and before you are through, you must meet another. And I think that this third uh, question and answer is the territory of meeting another. So one way we meet the other is when we see this sword over and over again in each moment and each thing. And that is very vivid and very fierce, um, very much itself and not anything else. And sometimes it is like that. That has a quality of the vastness about it, you know, when a piece of the vastness just swirls into existence right in front of us and, and catches us and we see it. But I think that's not the only way we meet the other. And that brings us to the very last thing in this sequence, which is, um, many people feel, one of the most beautiful lines in the koans. Each branch of coral holds up the light of the moon. So the invitation here is to really feel what that's like. Don't hold it at a distance. Probably most of us have seen a... um, a tropical sea, you know, with a really big, low, full moon, and the way the moon just lights up that warm water, and maybe to a depth where you can actually see coral and fish underneath. That's what it's talking about, not not some abstract notion, but that um, incredibly beautiful, incredibly peaceful, old, deep place. So when we are there, um, maybe we think about how the moon is the ancient symbol of enlightenment in the Zen tradition. So there's that full moon of enlightenment shining in the sky. But it doesn't say the full moon of enlightenment shines on everything underneath it. It says everything underneath it, each branch of coral, holds up that light. That light is not possible without all of the branches of coral lifting it up and holding it up. And what are those branches of coral? Well, they're fractal patterns, right? And the fractal pattern is the fundamental pattern of the world, at least our world, as near as we know. So it's everything. Uh, All those branches of coral are everything, animate and inanimate, human and non-human. They are um, platypuses and igneous rocks and Croatians and Nigerians and um, the the poinsettia on the altar and the wood and the floor, all of it. 
a branch of coral, and all of it holding up the moon. So that's the other way we meet the other. There is the extremely vivid way where each thing is particularity of the sword. Each thing is so completely itself and we're just one on one. And then there is when we can see the whole pattern. When we can see um, how we lie back on that sea. And there is so much life. There is all of life present there. And when I say all of life, I mean all of life. I don't mean just the pretty stuff or the nice stuff or the stuff that makes us feel good. Because those branches of coral also contain um, wars and miscarriages and um, misunderstandings and global warming and all the rest of it as well. We don't have to leave anything out. We don't have to say, I'm sorry, you are outside the beautiful garden, the paradise. We are in a world that is made up of all of that. But when we remember how vast those coral beds are, then we experience things in perspective. Wars and all the rest of it are true, but they're not everything that's true. They are part of this vast coral reef. They are part of this vast ocean full of light. And in some way, they too hold up the light of the moon. So this brief journey we've taken through these koans brings us to this place. And I think, says, you can rest here. If you come to know this place, if you come to really understand all of the the branches of coral and how they're interdependent and interrelated, And if you are able to see how they do hold up that light, that's a place you can rest. And it's not that the world will never get in your face again. Um, But if you remember what's called the coral moon, if you remember the coral moon, you can remember that that's always also true also and always true. And you can carry that rest with you wherever you go and whatever you're doing. Thank you all very much. These talks are made available through your donations to Cloud Dragon, the Joan Sutherland Dharma Works. To learn more about her teachings and to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our donate page at joansutherlanddharmaworks.org.